Chapter 14, Leadership Roles in Problem Solving in Groups. What makes a good leader? What are some positive and negative roles that people play in groups? How do groups solve problems and make decisions in order to accomplish their tasks? This chapter will begin to answer those questions because leadership and group member roles influence the performance of small groups. Whether you consider yourself a leader or not, all members of a group can perform leadership functions and be being familiar with these behaviors can improve your group's performance. Likewise, knowing the various roles that, typical, that typically emerge in a group can help you better understand a group's dynamics and hopefully improve your overall experience. 14.1 Leadership and Small Group Communication Learning Objectives 1. Discuss the various perspectives on how and why people become leaders. 2. Compare and contrast various leadership styles. 3. Discuss the types of power that a leader may tap into. Leadership is one of the most studied aspects of group communication. Scholars in business, communication, psychology, and many other fields have written extensively about the qualities of leaders, theories of leadership, and how to build leadership skills. It's important to point out that although a group may have one official leader, other group members play important leadership roles. Making this distinction also helps us differentiate between leaders and leadership. Argy, 2011. The leader is a group role that is associated with a high-status position and may be formally or informally recognized by group members. Leadership is a complex of beliefs, communication patterns, and behaviors that influence the functioning of a group and move a group toward the completion of its task. A group in the role of a leader may provide no or poor leadership. Likewise, a person who is not recognized as a leader in title can provide excellent leadership. In the remainder of this section, we will discuss some approaches to the study of leadership, leadership styles, and leadership and group dynamics. Why and how people become leaders. Throughout human history, some people have grown into, taken, or been given positions as leaders. Many early leaders were believed to be divine in some way. In some indigenous cultures, shamans are considered leaders because they are believed to be bridges that can connect the spiritual and physical realms. Many early kings, queens, and military leaders were said to be approved by a god and lead the people. Today, many leaders are elected or appointed to positions of power, but most of them have already accumulated much experience in leadership roles. Some leaders are well-respected, some are feared, some are hated, and many elicit some combination of these reactions. This brief overview illustrates the centrality of leadership throughout human history. But it wasn't until the last hundred years that leadership became an object of systematic study. Before we move on to specific approaches to studying leadership, let's distinguish between designated and emergent leaders. In general, some people gravitate more toward leadership roles than others, and some leaders are designated while others are emergent. Hargy, 2011. Designated leaders are officially recognized in their leadership role and may be appointed or elected by people inside or outside the group. 
Designated leaders can be especially successful when they are sought out by others to fulfill and are then accepted into leadership roles. On the other hand, some people seek out leadership positions not because they possess leadership skills and have been successful leaders in the past, but because they have a drive to hold and wield power. Many groups are initially leaderless and must either designate a leader or wait for one to emerge organically. Emergent leaders gain status and respect through engagement with the group and its task and are turned to by others as a resource when leadership is needed. Emergent leaders may play an important role when a designated leader unexpectedly leaves. We will now turn our attention to three common perspectives on why some people are more likely to be a designated leader than others and how leaders emerge in the absence of or in addition to a designated leader. Leaders emerge because of their traits. The trait approach to studying leadership distinguishes leaders from followers based on traits or personal characteristics. Pavitt, 1999. Some traits that leaders in general share are related to physical appearance, communication ability, intelligence, and personality. Cragen and Wright, 1991. In terms of physical appearance, designated leaders tend to be taller and more attractive than other group members. This could be because we consciously and or subconsciously associate a larger size in terms of height and build but not body fat with strength and strength with good leadership. As far as communication abilities, leaders speak more fluently, have a more confident tone, and communicate more than other group members. Leaders are also moderately more intelligent than other group members, which is attractive because leaders need good problem-solving skills. Interestingly, Group members are not as likely to designate or recognize an emergent leader that they perceive to be exceedingly more intelligent than them. Last, leaders are usually more extroverted, assertive, and persistent than other group members. These personality traits help get people noticed by others, and expressivity is often seen as attractive as a sign of communication competence. The trait approach to studying leaders has provided some useful information regarding how people view ideal leaders, but it has not provided much insight into why some people become and are more successful leaders than others. The list of ideal traits is not final because excellent leaders can have few, if any, of these traits and poor leaders can possess many. Additionally, these traits are difficult to change or control without much time and effort. Because these traits are enduring, there isn't much room for people to learn and develop leadership skills, which makes this approach less desirable for communication scholars who view leadership as a communication competence. Rather than viewing these traits as a guide for what to look for when choosing your next leader, View them as traits that are made meaningful through context and communication behaviors. Leaders emerge because of the situation. 
The emergent approach to studying leadership considers how leaders emerge in groups that are initially leaderless and how situational contexts affect this process. Pravit, 1999. The situational context that surrounds a group influences what type of a leader is best. Situations may be highly structured, highly unstructured, or anywhere in between. Cragen and Wright, 1991. Research has found that leaders with a high task orientation are likely to emerge in both highly structured contexts, like a group that works to maintain a completely automated factory unit, unit and highly unstructured contexts, like a group that is responding to a crisis. Relational-oriented leaders are more likely to emerge in semi-structured contexts that are less formal and in groups composed of people who have specific knowledge and are therefore be trusted to do much of their work independently. Fielder, 1967. For example, a group of local business owners who form a group for professional networking would likely prefer a leader with a relational-oriented style since these groups are likely already leaders in their own right and therefore might resent a person who takes a rigid task-oriented style over a more collegial style. Leaders emerge differently in different groups, but there are two stages common to each scenario. Borman and Borman, 1988. The first stage only covers a brief period, perhaps no longer than a portion of one meeting. During this first stage, about half of the group's members are eliminated from the possibility of being the group's leader. Remember that this is an informal and implicit process, not like being picked for a kickball team or initially vetted. But there are some communicative behaviors that influence who makes the cut to the next stage of informal leader consideration. People will likely be eliminated as leader candidates if they do not actively contribute to the initial, initial group interactions, if they contribute but communicate poorly, if they contribute but appear too rigid or inflexible in their beliefs, or if they seem uninformed about the task of the group. The second stage of leader emergence is where a more or less pronounced struggle for leadership begins. In one scenario, a leader candidate picks up an ally in the group who acts as a supporter or lieutenant, reinforcing ideas and contributions of the candidate. If there are no other leader candidates or others fail to pick up a supporter, the candidate with the supporter will likely become the leader. In the second scenario, there are two leader candidates who pick up supporters and who are both qualified leaders. This leads to a more intense and potentially prolonged struggle that can actually be uncomfortable for other group members. Although the two leader candidates don't overtly fight with each other or say, I should be the leader, not you, they both take strong stances in regards to the group's purpose and try to influence the structure procedures, and trajectory for the group. Group members not involved in this struggle may not know who to listen to, which can lead to low task and social cohesion and may cause a group to fail. In some cases, one, one candidate supporter team will retreat, leaving a, a clear leader to set up. 
but the candidate who retreated will still enjoy a relatively high status in the group and be respected for vying for leadership. The second place candidate may become a nuisance for the new emergent leader, questioning his or her decisions. Rather than excluding or punishing the second place candidate, the new leader should give him or her responsibilities within the group to make use of the group member's respected status. Leaders emerge based on communication skill and competence. The final approach to the study of leadership is considered a functional approach because it focuses on how particular communication behaviors function to create the conditions of leadership. This last approach is the most useful for communication scholars and for people who want to improve their leadership skills because leadership behaviors which are learnable and adaptable rather than traits or situations which are often beyond our control are the primary focus of study. As we've already learned, any group member can exhibit leadership behaviors, not just a designated or emergent leader. Therefore, leadership behaviors are important for all of us to understand, even if we don't anticipate serving in leadership positions. Cragen and Wright, 1991. The communication behaviors that facilitate effective leadership encompasses three main areas of group communication, including task, procedural, and relational functions. Although any group member can, can perform leadership behaviors, groups usually have patterns of and expectations for behaviors once they get into the norming and performing stages of group development. Many groups only meet one or two times, and in these cases, it is likely that a designated leader will perform many of the functions to get the group started and then step in to facilitate as needed. Leadership behaviors that contribute to a group's task-related functions include providing, seeking, and evaluating information. Leaders may want to be cautious about contributing ideas, before soliciting ideas from group members since the leader's contribution may sway or influence others in the group, therefore diminishing the importance of varying perspectives. Likewise, a leader may want to solicit evaluation of ideas from members before providing his or her own judgment. In group situations where creativity is needed to generate ideas or solutions to a problem, the task leader may be wise to facilitate brainstorming and discussion. This can allow the leader to keep his or her eye on the big picture and challenge group members to make their, own, their, their ideas more concrete or discuss their implications beyond the group without adding his or her own opinion. To review, some of the key leadership behaviors that contribute to the task-related functions of a group include the following, Craig and Wright, 1991, contributing ideas, seeking ideas, evaluating ideas, seeking idea evaluation, visualizing abstract ideas, and generalizing from specific ideas. Leadership behaviors that contribute to a group's procedural related functions help guide the group as it proceeds from idea generation to implementation. Some leaders are better at facilitating and managing ideas than they are at managing the administrative functions of a group. 
So while a group leader may help establish the goals of the group and set the agenda, another group member with more experience in group operations may step in to periodically re revisit and assess progress toward completion of the goals and compare the group's performance against its agenda. It's also important to check in between idea generating sessions to clarify, summarize, engage the agreement level of group members. A very skilled and experienced leader may take primarily res primary responsibility for all these behaviors, but it's often beneficial to share them with group members to avoid becoming overburdened. To review, some of the key leadership behaviors that contribute to the procedural functions of a group include the following, Craig and Wright, 91, goal settings, agenda making, clarifying, summarizing, verbalizing consensus, and generalizing from specific ideas. Leadership behaviors that contribute to a group's relational functions include creating a participative and inclusive climate, establishing the norms of reflective and self-analysis, and managing conflict. By encouraging participation among group members, the leader can help quell people who try to monopolize discussion and create an overall climate of openness and equality. Leaders want to make sure people don't feel personally judged for their ideas and that criticism remains idea-centered, not person-centered. A safe and positive climate typically leads to higher quality idea generation and decision-making. Leaders also encourage group members to meta-communicate or talk about the group's communication. This can help the group identify and begin to address any personal or communicative communication issues before they escalate and divert the group away from accomplishing its goal. A group with a well-established participative and inclusive climate will be better prepared to handle conflict when it emerges. Remember that conflict when handled competently can enhance group performance. Leaders may even instigate productive conflict by playing devil's advocate or facilitating a civil debate of ideas. To review some of the key leadership behaviors that contribute to the relational functions of a group include the following. Regulating participation, climate making, instigating group self-analysis, resolving conflict, and instigating productive conflict. Great job. You have reached the end of our first learning objective where we were to discuss the various perspectives on how and why people become leaders. Come back for the next session to compare and contrast various leadership styles. Two, the second objective, to compare and contrast various leaders, various leadership styles in our next session.